As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Tribune Audio Network. Parents will see kids go from sweet, loving children to having completely different personalities, becoming violent, angry, yelling, and in Eliza's case, completely homebound. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. We are investigative reporters breaking down the big stories, what it took to get them, taking you behind the scenes. It's the stuff we couldn't tell you on TV. On this episode, a possible cure denied. The rare disorder that's leaving one family with a mountain of medical bills. Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Polson here with Jenna Sachs. Hello. And Amanda St. Hilaire. Hello. So medical bills, we all have issues paying them and they pile up. I think we can all relate to that. Now, uh, full disclosure, I have a family member in the insurance, health insurance industry, but this is something so many people deal with, and it seems more and more it's getting difficult to deal with. We get a lot of complaints to Contact 6 about medical billing issues, and I actually had an issue with this recently myself where my three-year-old broke her leg had a trampoline so park. So sad. It was, it We're was not going to talk really about how that happened, are we? Oh, it was, it was, or you're rolling that. I'm still not prepared to talk about that. But it was a long haul, you know, the month with the cast and then the month afterward, the recovery. But when the bill came in the mail, we actually saw at first that it wasn't covered. So getting her cast on and off several thousand dollars, our insurance wasn't covering it at first. We looked into it further and found out that a mistake had been made. You know, good As news often for us. happens. Right. And often you just need to look into it a bit Further, but it's a perfect example of how these types of medical billing issues affect everybody, even me. And it's one of those things, too, that you have to be the one who's persistent because the error might have been made, but if you don't press, it won't be corrected. That's definitely a change that we're seeing in recent years. There's more pressure on us, the policyholder, to know what our plan is covering, and we're not getting as much help as we have in the past to understand our policies. So it's on us to know what might be covered and what's not. And we're, that's the subject of what we're talking about today. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of that very thing, for an Walk woman, life as she knew it ended two years ago. That's when Eliza Ellis had the first symptoms of a disorder that's really taken over her life. Now the 19-year-old needs round-the-clock care. I always thought that right after high school I would go to college. I feel like everyone around me is moving forward while I'm just not. Out of the blue, like someone flipped a switch and it started. Sometimes I just start getting really dizzy. It feels like I'm fainting, but I never lose consciousness. At a time when her friends are leaving for college, Eliza can't even drive, go for a walk, 
or be left alone. Now, her doctor says there is a cure, but insurance is denying Eliza's claim. And Jenna, that's an issue you recently brought to light. We did. Eliza's disorder is called PANDAS, Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Strep. That's a long one. It is. And she has a lot of symptoms to go with it. Her family estimates she experiences them 50 times a day. 50 times a day. Now, what kind of symptoms are we talking about? Uh, They're across the board. She has often these uncontrollable movements. Her arm will start pumping, for example, and she can't stop it. Sometimes she hits herself. She has hallucinations, tics, OCD. Sometimes she starts talking like a baby or she just collapses on the floor and it looks like she's having a seizure. Many times Eliza is completely aware of what's going on. Sometimes she has no memory of it whatsoever. It's really scary. It feels like some of my memories are taken away and like like I'm not myself. Like I feel like I'm in someone else's body. It's hard. Eliza's family reached out to us because Contact 6 has had success resolving medical billing issues. Medical billing, after all, is the number five consumer complaint in Wisconsin. And oftentimes mistakes are made. In this case, the insurance company, UMR, which is under the umbrella of United Healthcare, upheld the denial. So like Brian, I have a family member who's in the health insurance industry. There's a long list of reasons something can be denied. In this case, what was the reason they gave? United Healthcare told us Eliza does not appear to meet the criteria for this treatment based on current clinical guidelines. Basically, they were saying there's not enough proof that the medicine your doctor prescribed will be helpful to you. And her doctor disagrees very strongly. And we talked to him in our report. You do have a treatment that has been repeatedly, not in a perfect blind study, but repeatedly clinically proven to be effective. I was watching the story, and uh, while you were there visiting Eliza, she exhibits some of these symptoms. The, the, The arm movements, I think she even maybe passed out. Um, You saw a couple of different things happen. She did, and I didn't notice at first because it's actually not a big event sometimes when it happens. She can be pretty quiet about it. She looks like she's losing consciousness. Um, Her eyes will roll back in her head, and she starts shaking like she's having a seizure. Her her head will move back and forth really fast. Um, And then she wakes up. She comes to for a moment, and then her head falls back again. Her eyes roll back, and she starts shaking again. Um, I saw that happen a few times. And one time, she clenched her fist really tight to the point where it was hurting her, and she couldn't open up her fist again. Her dad had to kind of massage her hand and open up her fist again. So that was just what I saw in one hour of sitting with her and her family says a good day she'll have 30 episodes and they're not all like on a good day 30 on a good day other days a normal day 50 times a day which really restricts her life she can't leave the house without being in a wheelchair she can't do things that other 19 year olds are doing at that age she's homebound because of these symptoms which are so extreme What, what struck me watching this was that some of these episodes though very you've got the sort of what looks like a seizure um, which I think a lot of people would recognize as sort of a physical thing. But then there was the episodes of baby talk and some of the other stuff that seemed like an entirely different thing, but they're tied together. That's why this disorder is so hard to diagnose and why often it's misdiagnosed, because there are so many different symptoms. You can understand why a doctor would say it must be a non-epileptic seizure disorder or it's a psychiatric disorder. And she was misdiagnosed 
several times and now believes they have found exactly what her issue is. But she's tried many treatments, of course, over the years, expensive things over the years that haven't worked for her. So she's had counseling, you know, psychiatric um, ad- advisement. She's had medications for different issues and nothing has addressed it. And now they feel like they have found a potential cure. Her doctor feels very strongly that it will work for her, but she can't get it approved and it does cost $30,000. And that's the part during your story where you you hear 30,000 and your heart kind of drops because this is right after this young woman has talked about watching everyone else in her life that's her age move on and do things that she can't do. And it does make you watching it go, can't someone do something about this? And as I understand it, if she lived in a different state, potentially this could be covered and someone could do something about this. That's an important point that we wanted to make. What Eliza's doctor has prescribed is something called IVIG, and I'm going to try to pronounce it intravenous immunoglobulin treatment. I stumbled a lot. There's Good a lot job. of mouthfuls in the story. There are, yeah. Um, and it's basically an IV treatment, so it's very easy for her to have this treatment. She would just have to hook up to an IV a couple of times, and it would flush her body with healthy antibodies, and her doctor says it would essentially reset her system and eliminate a lot of the symptoms that she's experiencing to the point where she may be able to have a normal life. States like Illinois and Minnesota have passed laws requiring insurance companies to cover treatment of PANDAS, including IVIG treatment, not limited to it, but including that treatment. Wisconsin has no such law. There's nothing in the works right now that would address that. So it's a state-by-state decision. Right. So if she lived an hour south, maybe that would be the difference here. Uh, But because she's in Wisconsin, she doesn't qualify. So why the debate on whether the treatment would actually be helpful? Is this a newer disorder? Is it more rare? Why the disconnect with some of the other states? So this is a disorder that's becoming better understood now. Um, about 1% to 2% of kids, the doctor I spoke with estimates, will be diagnosed with this disorder. And 80% of those kids don't have symptoms as severe as Eliza's. They may have depression, anxiety, OCD, anorexia. These are all symptoms of the disorder. Eliza's on the more severe end. She's in the 20% that could have these life-altering Uh, collapsing seizures, the violent tics. So her doctor says he's had experience with this in his clinical setting and has seen it be successful many times. He says he's done IVIG treatment 1,100 times, and the success rates have been very high. On the other hand, he acknowledges this hasn't been proven in a perfect blind study. And that is probably the issue for the insurance companies here because they have a high threshold for what will be approved. So that is part of the problem here. It's a newer treatment. And when things are newer, sometimes they're scary and it can take time until it's better understood. It's very possible they don't have people with as much expertise on PANDAS reviewing these cases for the insurance industry every day, but it is becoming more and more common and better understood. And I think it's because the parents of these kids are so vocal because it affects their lives so dramatically. And often, I mentioned it's a pediatric disorder. Parents will see kids go from sweet, loving children to having completely different personalities, becoming violent, angry, yelling, and in Eliza's case, completely homebound. And it's it affects the entire family. The mom or the dad may have to quit their job and stay home with their kids because they can't be home alone. So I think those parents are very vocal about it, and that helps with the advancement 
of understanding this disorder. I think Lisa Rinna, she's an actress. She recently came out saying her daughter had pandas as well. So there is some growing awareness of it. So uh, if you're a family, you've already had one of the parents have to stay at home. I'm sure the medical bills are mounting as you've tried to get this diagnosed. Maybe it's been misdiagnosed several times. For anyone, $30,000 isn't a drop in the bucket, but it must be extra rubbing salt in the wound if you hear, oh, if we had this amount of money, maybe her life could be drastically different. Right. And that's something that's really hard for them. They've set up a GoFundMe and they've raised some money, but not enough. And Dr. Miroslav Kovacevic, who's her doctor, he makes the argument that he's seen parents spend money on an annual basis on these more conservative treatments and trips to the doctor's office, multiple trips. And he says that adds up oftentimes to more money than you would spend if you had just gotten the IVIG to begin with. That's his argument. It could be cheaper in the long run for insurance companies to cover this than to simply direct patients to these multiple, less expensive treatments until they mount up. That's his argument. And the argument for those treatments would be they're more proven. You know, maybe she should try steroids first or some of these other things that he doesn't think would help her. Um, But they feel like there's this checklist of treatments that they have to try that they know or they feel strongly aren't going to work when they feel like they could just take care of the issue right now with this one specific treatment and maybe their lives would improve dramatically. If I could ask, when you were talking about the people who have less severe symptoms, the things you named off were depression, anxiety, OCD, all mental health conditions. And in the name of this very uh, illness is neuropsychiatric. So it raises the question, is this a psychiatric disorder? Is this a mental health disorder? Well, this disorder is caused by a very common infection. It's the strep infection. So if you get Hmm. strep or an ear infection, which can also be caused by strep, in the cases of these kids, their body doesn't fight it off and it attacks their brain. And that's how it starts to get into the psychiatric issues and causes these symptoms. So what some people might see as the cause, which would be depression or anxiety, those are actually, in this case, symptoms of a, of a bigger so problem. So the infection has attacked the brain, and mm-hmm. that's caused whatever sort of mental health condition is coming out right. from that. Which exactly. is terrifying, because those are sure. common infections parents Very deal common. with with their kids. And you know, for Eliza, what happened was she got an ear infection when she was 17, and shortly after she started having hallucinations for a few months, she started seeing bugs crawling the walls, for example, and then they went away for a little bit and she thought she got better. And then she started having what she thought were seizures. And so that kind of led down this path. And then the symptoms kept getting worse and worse to the point where her parents were saying, we need to figure out exactly what this is because nothing we're trying is working. And our daughter is a completely different person when she's having these issues. And she told me this story about how she doesn't even like to leave the house because she has to go in a wheelchair. (sighs) And let's say she goes to Target and she runs into people from high school and she's talking to them. Them, and she has an episode, which is something that's very likely to happen. And people are looking at her thinking, we have to get this girl to the hospital, to the emergency room. Something is seriously wrong. But her family knows it's going to pass. And it's and then d- that's another medical bill. It, well, yeah, exactly. And it happens 50 times a day. So she's having a, she doesn't want to go outside. She doesn't want to go out and have these issues in public and get that attention. She'd rather be at home. But then again, like you said, she's 19. She wants to go to college. She talked about wanting to go to cosmetology school. Um, and she can't do that. Her life is on hold. And she's a completely different person living a very different life than she did when she was 17. Um, so I think part of the reason we wanted to do this story was awareness 
because I think that's important. And there have been bills proposed in Wisconsin to raise awareness of this disorder. They were going to have a Pandas Day that was proposed at some point. I don't think it passed. Um, and they wanted to direct the health department to research and provide more awareness about pandas, but I don't think that ever passed either. Well, and with all due respect to state lawmakers, usually when resolutions and bills pass for awareness, it's a self-congratulatory sure. pat on the back kind of thing, and that doesn't always help people like Eliza who need that next step. I, I was thinking when you talk about the cause of this being mm-hmm. strep, I think uh, far more parents have had a child with strep than have dealt with a disorder like this. How great is the risk that if your child does develop strep that they're going to end up with these kinds of symptoms? Not high. So parents should take some reassurance there, but if their child does have this common issue, strep throat, ear infection, and then it leads to other symptoms that they've never had before, this might be something they'd want to get checked out because it's very common. But I don't think parents need to listen to this and say, oh, I'm so scared for my kid to get strep throat. Um, In some cases, it could lead to this. But as we said, it's one to two percent of kids. Which is still that's uh, that's quite not high. a small but number. But you have to remember, Eliza is ex- she's one of the most extreme cases. I, I just in watching mm-hmm. the story when she's talking to you, doing the interview, this is a typical nineteen-year-old kid mm-hmm. or or adult, and then she has an episode, and mm-hmm. it's entirely in, an entirely different situation. Well, she can't even walk across the room without supervision because she might fall and she won't be able to get back up. Her family has had pro- to program Alexas in different rooms. So if she has an incident in the middle of the night, which often happens, she can contact her parents through Alexa hmm. if she's able to say something. Anyone watching this podcast at home now has just had to tell their <laughs> smart home device to stop. I'm very sorry. Uh, but, you know, it's just a lot of modifications they've had to make to their life to make sure someone is always with Eliza, and it affects the entire family. Well, and this discussion also just goes to show, we we talk about, when we talk about medical billing and physical ailments, I think now there's a lot more discussion about how things that affect our body physically also affect our brain and affect mental health and affect emotional well-being, and it's all tied together. And I think all of us kind of grew up more with the mentality of separating those things out. So if anything, hopefully this discussion will help link all of that in people's minds. Right. And maybe help parents figure out maybe something is going on with my kid bigger than OCD, bigger than, you know, having these hallucinations. It's just all these different puzzle pieces that they have to put together. And I know that's common with a lot of different disorders. Um, There's so many things we could be raising awareness about right now, but that's very hard. And it takes a while, I think, to diagnose a kid with PANDAS because there are so many other solutions you have to try first. Well, for each symptom, there could be a lot of possible more common causes, but when you put them all together in aggregate, suddenly you have this disorder that not a lot of people are probably talking about. Right. And she happened to, you know, go to a doctor who's an expert in Illinois on pandas. I don't know if every doctor knows as much as he does. Obviously not because he's the expert. But, you know, if it's not all that common and it seems more likely to the doctor that they just have a psychiatric disorder or seizures or something like that, you can understand why it's misdiagnosed. To me, the bigger issue as we sit here and flesh all this out as the threshold for insurance companies is at what point do we accept something as proven science for treatment? Because like you mentioned, this is one disorder. There are other things like Lyme that have been getting a lot of attention lately, but 
there's still a lot of stuff up in the air surrounding their treatments and people can't afford that. So that's a huge group of people who are affected by treatments that they want, but potentially aren't covered. And there isn't always clarity around what needs to happen to make sure those treatments are proven. We've just recently been reporting on stem cell treatments, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of experimental stuff going on in that field. But insurance companies aren't covering that yet. It's an out-of-pocket cash payment because the clinical trials haven't reached the point where they can say, yes, this works, it works to this degree, and, and so we're going to cover it. But those, in those cases, we're talking about maybe a few thousand dollars for an injection. Here you're talking about $30,000 for something that could be life-changing. You can certainly, at the very least, understand why the family uh, really is desperate for help. And the for the insurance company, I, we understand why they have some high thresholds. If they accept this, what other treatments for what other disorders would they have to have the same expectation of studies that have been done and 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 uh, tests outside of the clinical setting? So, you can understand that the insurance company has some hesitation because it hasn't had those perfect blind studies yet. So, hopefully, that's something that's underway so that this can be become. More, uh, more understood um, and that more people can get the treatment that they need. That's the dinner bell, which means it's time for our dinner party question. This is a weekly segment where we answer questions we most often get asked as journalists at parties or events or while we're out and about. So here's the catch. We have no idea what this question is, as I think is evidenced by some of our hesitation to answer (laughs) these things in previous episodes. There are several envelopes in front of us, and uh, I think it's my turn this week to pick one at random. Is that right? Okay. So here we go. I should start uh, submitting questions that specifically target Brian. (laughs) I'm going to pick. So I'm. what, you want to target me with a question? <laughs> yeah. We'll just we'll see which ones right. you uh, you open up. This one feels kind of substantial. I don't know why. <laughs> <clears throat> when you move to a new city, what tricks do you have to learn your way around quickly? Well, since you are the most recent transplant I am. here, what are your well, tricks? Well, so. <laughs> I'm a big nerd, as we've established. So even before I moved here, I was going through Milwaukee meeting minutes to see kind of what the issues were. You see the different groups and organizations that come up. You start researching that. Um, oh, you're and thinking journalistically. I thought it just meant like, how do you find where the best restaurants? Well, what kind of no, but even that, this, Brian. <laughs> even that, because you see, like, oh God, I'm. I sound so lame. You go through like the different zoning things, and oh, this restaurant had. The, I can't. I sound. I sound like a loser. Like, oh, they just got a permit to expand their patio, and I wonder what this place is like. I go down the rabbit hole. This is the kind of stuff you talk about at parties. This is the kind. Well, not many people talk to me at parties, and now you know why. Um, Cold open. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, I'll I'll go through that in terms of basic research. I think a lot of it too is you know come out here for your job interview. You talk to people about what they like about the area. If there's something that a lot of people brought up um, and there's a there's a recurring theme, you go there. And some of it is just you get lost one day and you see what you stumble upon and you find that really good restaurant or that really neat place. I think this question raises an interesting point. And I didn't write this one. So compliments to whoever wrote this <laughs> You're one. not complimenting I'm not yourself. I'm complimenting my own question. Uh, I think that a lot of people in this industry are transplants. I don't think any of us are from 
You're you're from Missouri, Brian. Correct. Yes. Um, you're from the East Coast, mm-hmm. and I'm from Minnesota. And a lot of people in the newsroom are from other places. So when we move to new markets, there is an expectation that we're supposed to know everything um, right away, and it does take time to get to know a community. And so you do read a lot of media, right? You you read a lot of newspaper articles. You read watch a lot of the TV stations and try to get to know a market. But you know it's hard when you move somewhere new and you want to have story pitches right away, and you haven't developed any sources, and you're trying trying to figure out what websites can I look at every day to figure out what kind of things I should be investigating. Well, you have no historical perspective on what was a big deal in that market. And you might end up somewhere you never thought you were going to live. Like I, I, I never thought I would live in Green Bay. I didn't mind living there, but I didn't know anything about it really than other than they had a football team. So when I moved there, do they? I had, they do. Wow. Yeah. I don't UW know you Green Bay, they're pretty good. Oh yeah. Uh, so, you know, you had, you had to get to know a new area that I didn't know much about. So that's part of this job too. Even something simple like street pronunciations, because oh, every big. place has those like small little things that you only know if you've been around there for a while. Right. And if the anchor comes in and says a Schwabanon wrong, <laughs> you know that <laughs> 50 people are going to yeah. call in. Yeah, Wisconsin can really trip you up. Well, and, and you know, I've moved around many times in the business, mostly in the Midwest, well, pretty much all in the Midwest. I mean, I grew up in St. Louis. I lived in Des Moines, uh, Kansas City. I, I'm here now. Um, so it's not like there are a lot of wide moves across the country, not like coming from New England or Pennsylvania like you, right. Amanda. But Nonetheless, in each place you go to, it's you're learning the news market. You're also finding a whole new network of friends and people to associate with outside of work. And I think it's one of the reasons that the news business is one of those businesses where, especially when you're uh, younger and newer, news people hang out after work. They go out to the same restaurants and bars and parties and things, not just within your own television station, but all the other stations in town. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're competitors by day, but by night we're out, uh, you know, uh, meeting up and, 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 you know, socializing because when you get to a new market, that's your immediate connection is other people. We don't have friends you. from high school here. We didn't right. go to college with a ton of people here. So those are our people that we gravitate to and we're all exploring a new place together. And a lot of them are age appropriate when you're coming into a reporting job off and you're in your mid to late twenties in Milwaukee. So you've got a age appropriate group of people who are all willing to go out you know, at weird hours of the day or night based on your schedule and understand. And then you start having kids. <laughs> I was say, you're not you're, hanging out with the youngsters. I feel like I did this wrong then because I moved here and then got pregnant. So that so, yeah, you <laughs> missed out. I, yeah. I, I think about um, from a news standpoint, when I was in radio in Columbia, Missouri, I, uh, my uh, boss uh, who had hired me moved on real quickly, but then they brought in a new news director and he came in and he told me that like he came in with all kinds of ideas right away. And I said, like, how do you know this market so well? And he said, the first thing I did when I got the job was sit down and read six months of newspapers, six months of newspapers. And that was not enough to give him all of the historical perspective, but it was a good leeway into who are the power brokers, what's in the news, what's important. And, uh, and so he came in, you know, sort of hit the ground running. That's one way. I think the other way we get to know markets pretty quickly, and I feel like for people who have moved here for other types of jobs, it doesn't work this way. In news, you end up in a news car and you go to a different community every day. And I've visited every suburb and every city street and, and seen all different aspects of the Milwaukee area, you know, from Lake Geneva to downtown Milwaukee to, you know, uh, you know, 10th and Locust. 
you see it all, and so you do get to know an area, I think, a lot more quickly than if we worked in another industry. I agree. I think I know the markets I've worked in a lot better than parts of Minnesota where I grew up. I spent most of my time in the suburb I grew up in and the immediate area around it. With this job, you go all over the place, and you get to know an area a lot better. I could give people better directions around the Milwaukee area than I could the Minneapolis area. Because in a lot of cases, if you don't know that information, it means not having something in time for your story or getting something wrong in your story. So there's a lot more pressure. Whereas when you grew up somewhere, I think you just kind of take it for granted. I've been to more city halls in my lifetime. (laughs) So many city halls. I think I'd care to count. But we end up at a lot of city halls and police stations. And I have a friend who just took a, a political reporter job in a new state uh, and that's hard because there's that's so many so lawmakers' names you have to learn, all these different districts, and every state does things differently on a government side. Like the way we get records in Wisconsin is different than the way you would get them in other states. And, and that's a lot to learn. If you get something wrong, you can look like a real idiot. So even when I first moved out to um, Ohio, that was my, in Toledo, that was my first job in news, I didn't come anywhere where we had ballot measures or tax levies. That just wasn't a thing. So I get a, it, I think it was my third week, I get assigned the story about tax levies. And it was just a lot of research and a lot of asking really basic questions to the people I was interviewing. And fortunately, they were understanding that I wasn't from there. But when you're talking about what millage and levy? things like that, I, I had never experienced anything like that. Well, I, I'm asking what is a tax <laughs> levy. I, no. I, but no, I, that, that's, you, you're right. There's a lot of sort of learning on the job with those sorts of things, especially when you go to a new place. I've been here now 15 years, and there is some value in just the experience because stories come up that you realize, oh, we covered that six years ago, or when this last happened 10 years ago, this was the case. So you have that sort of institutional knowledge and, and, and perspective. And newsrooms, obviously are high turnover places. So it's always valuable to have people in the newsroom who've been here a while. And we have people like Ted Perry, who's been here a long time. We we have those voices within the newsroom of people who've experienced a lot. And, and I think our investigative unit, uh, Jenna, you've been here a number of years now. We start to build that that sort of institutional knowledge. And I think it benefits your reporting. And sometimes not knowing things can be a benefit when you come in because it's a fresh perspective. You might explain something a little better because you're not assuming people know it because you don't know it. Um, Or you might point out, hey, wait a minute, where I came from did it this way. The fact that it's being done in this different way could be a problem. There There is a benefit to having the combination of the fresh perspective and the institutional knowledge. When I first moved here, early on I did a story because I had come from Missouri and Iowa and I came here and I did a story about all these bars that would serve people's kids who were with them. Like a mm-hmm. 13-year-old could drink a beer at the bar with his dad. And I just thought that was crazy. And there were a lot of people who went, what, you didn't know that? Because in Wisconsin, <laughs> it's just a whole different situation and a different culture. So, yeah, there is something about coming in with that sort of those outside eyes that can have people take a fresh look at something they've just taken for granted all along. Thanks for listening to Open Record. We'd also like to, of course, thank the people behind the scenes making this podcast happen. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, and Leanne Watson. If you enjoy listening, please let us know. You can leave a review in Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to check out Fox 6's other podcast, Definitely Milwaukee with Carl Deffenbaugh. If you want more Open Record, just head to our website, fox6now.com.
Tribune Audio Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.